0: Hey, what's happening? Episode 109. I am Shane, and I am happy to have the hosts of the Unsafe Space podcast, Carter Laren and Carrie Smith. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Shane. I'm good. Thanks for having us. I like your background.
0: Yeah. Some people say that it looks like we're in Five Guys.
1: Oh, oh. oh. (laughs) There are
2: worse places to be than Five Guys. That's fine.
0: Yeah, sometimes I make a joke, you know, there's Bill the cook over there making the burgers and all that, so, <laughs> you know, so I, I sometimes I wave at him and everything like that, he's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here, uh, so just kind of go right off, talk about uh, your show um, on Safe Space, you guys have, I, I believe the last time I checked, I think it was almost 35,000 subscribers, which is pretty good, it's a pretty good size amount of subscribers you have over there on YouTube. Um, you want to kind of talk about how it all started and everything like that? Um, Carter, you can go ahead.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, we're just about 35,000, which, which means we're just about getting onto Susan's radar. So I'm sure we'll have zero <laughs> soon and get banned, but we're trying to, we're, we're, we're being kind of careful, but not too careful. So, um, yeah, it's evolved. The idea evolved over time. I mean, uh, it's a couple of years, I guess it's been a couple of years. It's grown pretty slowly. Uh, I was, um, I've been in Silicon Valley for 20 years. I was doing some venture capital stuff and reached the point where I couldn't continue. And I, actually my business partner said, if you, we want to continue, you've got to stop tweeting. Um, so, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, if, if I, w- would I like to have a career and not be able to say what I think, or what I like to be able to just say what I think and not have a career. That was my choice. And so, uh, I just started, doing a podcast and it wasn't really anything to it and very quickly i ran into carrie who i knew previously carrie can tell that story later i guess but i ran into carrie and i was like hey do you want to do this with me and she said sure and so i don't care we had very few people at first it was just like it was like a handful of people i remember and then uh it kind of evolved and now we've got um we actually have another like we're, we kind of have shows that that are now on on Safe Space, like Ian K. Comics Division is doing a show just about the Great Reset, and so he's got a whole series that's just that I'm not even like Carrie and I don't even get involved in, but he just mm-hmm. talks about the Great Reset uh, every week. And um, and Carrie and I do a couple shows together. We do Coffee Break and uh, a few other shows. So yeah, that's that's the, that's the origin story in a nutshell.
1: What is our podcast about? I want to hear you explain what it is. 'Cause I've oh. I've gotten I know I what my nutshell
2: version part. is, but it's kinda rambly. I didn't yeah. say the part of what it's about. <laughs> I, I missed the most important part, so this is why uh, there's two of us. Um yeah, it the the idea behind Unsafe Space is we're really just trying to I this is a it's gonna sound like um not much of a goal, but we're trying to save Western civilization from destruction. So you know, just oh. this, a small thing like that. Um, <laughs> So we're we're defending the, the values uh, that built Western civilization, enlightenment values, things like free speech, um, uh, individualism, that kind of thing. And so that's kind of the purpose is to defend uh, Western civilization intellectually. And we do that primarily through talking about culture and sometimes philosophy. And then we get dragged into politics sometimes as well. But uh, our focus isn't really supposed to be politics. Sometimes it gets tempting, especially when you have like Trump in power and craziness going on. You, yeah, you end up talking about politics more than than you would want to. Is that, Carrie? What do you say? What's 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 your nutshell explanation of who we are? I, I never say that ahead. we're.
1: Tr- well, I never say we're trying to save Western civilization because that sounds really like uh, uh, like that would be very stressful.
2: So it's a little lofty. That's why I'm so stressed. No wonder you've got you got like yeah whatever. Yeah, that's why no. I'm always stressed because that's what I'm trying to do.
1: No, I think I, well, I usually say, yeah, we're more of a culture podcast, although we do necessarily talk about politics sometimes. And we are mostly concerned with ideas and ideology and um, defending values um, and, and principles like individualism and free speech and where you can find it, civility and dialogue and, you know, discussion with people with different ideas and, um, so yeah, thanks for – I wanted to hear it's Carter. Not, it's not that different. It's not that different. We have an
2: about page that we should probably both read at yeah. some point. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then we do another show called – so the, the live show Carter and I do is called um, Café Break. We do that Mondays and Fridays. But we also do a show called Deprogrammed, which is more of a deep dive into my old belief system, social justice ideology. Which of course, lately we end up talking about a lot, even on Koffee, because it's just everywhere now. It's it's infiltrated all of, uh, you know, it it's escaped the university. <laughs> it's it's beyond um, the university. It's in it's in the mainstream uh, media, social media companies. You know, it's in big social. It's in legacy media. It's a, all of our major corporations are speaking woke now. McDonald's is speaking woke. Uh, Barbie, it, it, it's everywhere. So we end up talking about that a lot. But originally we mostly were keeping that subject originally to um, deprogrammed, where we will interview people about that belief system. And we've gotten to talk to people like uh, uh, Brett Weinstein, James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, uh, Benjamin Boyce, uh, Christians who are pushing back against it, like Samuel Say mm-hmm. and Chris Williams and uh, Monique, Dun- uh, Mon- Monique uh, so- Dusan. Yeah. yeah. So, uh so that's another show that
2: we do i feel like carrie i i don't know we've never talked about this <laughs> i feel like deep program started and we were like well people aren't paying attention to this this social justice thing as much but we're pretty sure it's going to be important so we should start talking about it and then it metastasized and now it's literally everywhere so we can't like it we kind of talk about it free so we kind of talk about it everywhere now because we have to um but when we started i don't think it was like it hadn't metastasized into the mainstream to the extent it has
1: now. no but we could tell it was coming like everyone knew it was coming. It was, you know, there were a lot of people talking about it, sort of the canaries in the coal mine. Uh, this is not just staying on the universities. And I, I've, I, there are used to a lot of liberals in my life who I was talking to about it, who would sort of say, well, I agree with you about this belief system. And I agree that it's not liberalism, but I think you're making too big of a deal out of it. And it's just, you know, this is just what it's like on college campuses. Kids are always radical and then they grow out of it. I'm like, no, this is a little different. Like kids are not growing out. I didn't grow out of it. I was indoctrinated 20 years ago and I didn't grow out of it. I took it with me into my career, and people my age took it into their careers.
2: It's and... weird because when does anything stay on campus? Like people make that argument, like, oh, it'll just, it's confined to college campuses. I can't think of any major movement that's ever stayed confined to college campuses. It always leaves college campuses and comes yeah. out. That's the point of a college campus. Like that's, that's what they do, they bring their ideas out into the world. So. Yeah, I never really understood that particular pushback, but whatever. Who am I? I
0: yeah, that's a good point because th- there's like a term for like woke capitalism when you're talking about all these major corporations and everything like that. But like, yeah, we are for trans rights, but please buy our products also. Thank you. Yes. You, know, that, that whole thing, you know, That's like yeah. the whole main thing about it is please give us the money. That's all we care yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, gay rights and Black Lives Matter and all that. But can you please like buy our products? Thank you.
2: Yes. we did a we did a parody of uh, the Gillette commercial remember the Gillette commercial that came out that was against toxic masculinity yeah. which just means to them just men right. uh, and we did a parody of it and Carrie at the end of the parody like it was about um uh, toxic femininity so we did this parody it, it wasn't the best production job but it doesn't matter at the end while the Gillette logo was on the screen Carrie chimes in and says, buy our razors which i just <laughs> think is like such a it's, it's because such a that's great what's, way to view what they're doing yeah
1: if you look at all those woke ads shane i'm sure you did, that's what's missing from the ads there'll be a whole and, procter and gamble ad and it's all about racism and some story and i'm like wait a minute what did they forget to say buy our soap like there's always they they're selling you something they're selling you something and they're being I just find it, even that toxic masculinity ad with Gillette, like just they just left out razors. You're not telling me about your razors at all, but you're still selling them to me. And then I'm I'm watching people in my life on the left who have come from a place of being anti-corporation and anti-consumerism to some degree, posting status updates on Facebook like, oh, this Procter & Gamble ad's making me cry. And I'm like, what? They're manipulating you. don't you see that it's so weird anyway
0: yeah it's like a 180 you know but like you're saying they used to be anti-corporation or just anti-corporate in general and then all of a sudden oh they're 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 catering to what i like and what i believe in so i guess i like corporations now apparently i guess that's how this works i don't know 2021's weird
1: it's super weird
2: (laughs) Well, even the, the, and let's be fair, the left's anti-corporatism is, it, for most people on the left, it's not a thought-out position. It was just a trendy thing to be against. Like, right. so they were against it because it was trendy. And now that it's trendy to, you know, say the things that some big corporations are saying, they're saying that. I don't, like, well, I, think the, we, I think sometimes we, we like, ascribe too much intention to normies.
1: Well, the, the people who are, who do have intention and who do think these things out, they're not the people I'm talking about, like the actual car. I always draw a distinction between actual progressives and the social justice left. They're different. Yeah. Actual progressives, at least when I use that word, I mean, the people I know who are anti-war who are truly concerned about corporate power, um, who believe they do believe in socialized medicine and, yeah. um, but they're against censorship and they're against, uh, going into other countries they're they're not and you know interventionists and the people like jimmy door i consider those people exactly. true progressives and they, are they don't distinct, they're not, from they are
2: yeah. distinct from social justice they are
1: distinct from social justice words and they do not yeah. fall for this corporate uh procter and gamble making you cry yeah. within racism ad thing they don't fall for that
2: yeah, yeah Actually, don't to be clear i don't like the progressives either but they're preferably i do the, the control left
1: i like the progressives. Carter's just, Carter's party's oh. smaller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I Carter is principled about individual rights, and the progressives have never been about individual rights. So
0: well, we'll I guess it's, day, it's, it's one of those uh, things where, you know, like you were saying with anti-war, because, you know, like libertarians and conservatives, especially well, at least nowadays with the conservatives, uh, mainly the right wing, you know, they're anti-war and everything like that. That's something they that can team up with the progressives that, are anti-war and, and, all this, um, this, all this free speech stuff that's happening, you know? Um, and it's so wait, funny.
2: Wait, can I ask you a question? Are do you think that the, there's a contingency of what you would call the right, which is anti-war? Cause that's, that's, that's unusual. That's not normally how I think of people on the right.
0: Well, I think a lot of the people that voted for Trump in 2016, and I guess you can even say 2020, they, we're kind of because when Donald Trump was on the campaign trail and in all those debates, he was saying, you know, Bush, especially the like right to Jeb Bush's face, like your brother lied us into war and Obama created ISIS and, and all this stuff. And all the right was like, you know what? That guy that used to be, that was on The Apprentice. I think he had, he's saying something that actually kind of, you know what? He's making some sense because now it's like you're saying with a trendy thing. Now, I guess you can say it's trendy to be anti-war. But it's in the right, because back in, you know, when Ron Paul was running in 08 and 12, uh, especially in the um I think 07 when the the whole Rudy Giuliani moment and everything like that when Ron Paul was saying you know they they the reason why they hate us is because we're attacking them we're blowing their people up over there it's blowback and Rudy Giuliani is like can this guy like Ron Paul please apologize to what he just said and and Ron Paul was like no I'm not going to apologize cuz it is blowback so boom you know and all that stuff because back in the day Republicans were basically and it's not 100% Republicans. So I'm not saying it's all the Republicans and all the right, but I do think there is a large amount of those right wingers who are anti war, or at the very least, they understand that like these wars that we're fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and Yemen and all that, like, yeah, we need to, this is not what well, we shouldn't be doing this right now. You know, it's like, this is bad, you know? And so that's kind of how it is. It's been like a huge change from, like I was saying, from 08 during that whole time to now. It's it's almost like a complete one eighty in a way. And again, it's not all the right wingers, but it's definitely a huge chunk of yeah, them. Yeah,
1: the Trump some of the Trump people I see I've seen that. I see people yeah. on the right. But but part of the problem I think is that even these terms right and left gets it, it just varies on who's using them. What do they even mean right. anymore? Yeah. Someone like Mike I mean, I think What you're
2: seeing is disintegration of those terms, right? That yeah.
1: He's yeah. anti interventionist. He's Mm anti-war and yet i get i see him he gets called everything from alt-right to far right to and i don't think he actually is far right at all but um but he gets called that definitely
2: has leftist policies like that he likes and
1: stuff like he definitely has
0: yeah, you know who else has a leftist policies? Richard Spencer. That guy is about as social as you can possibly get. Yes. Yeah, he's for universal health care. He's for mm-hmm. all environmental protections. I mean, as far as I know, that's not a that's not an alt-right, right supremacist type of ideology. At least I don't think so, right? Well, <laughs> well again,
2: I think Carrie's point is like the terms, what the terms mean is is like is quickly falling apart. And I think what we say often is that what matters really is um whether you're more on the authoritarian scale or you're more on the individualist side of the yeah. scale. Like that's you know, we've all seen that the, the two axes, right, where you 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 plot yourself on the libertarian graph or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we often focus on this left right axis and and really what matters is kind of the diagonal axis. <laughs> really it's not it's where are you on the individualism versus the authoritarian scale that matters more than um, where you stand on specific policies related to foreign policy versus domestic policy. Yeah. Um, so, and and I don't know that I would call, like, I don't think Trump was classically right-wing. This is why the Republican Party hated Trump for the large part. This is why you have uh, the Lincoln Republicans and a lot of the neocons hating him. Trump was a populist. And mm-hmm. I think Trump maybe helped shake up the political landscape so that people started to view this more as... Mm-hmm this is, it's like deep state versus us. And I'm not a big fan of populism, but it does shift the axes a little bit more towards authoritarianism versus individualism, which is a positive shift, I think.
0: Yeah, if, if you're, uh, you know, if you're anti-war or whatever, or it's like you have an enemy and his name is Bill Crystal, I think you're probably going in the right direction. <laughs> So I, I think that's fine, you know, in terms of, you know, and we, you, you could argue all day whether, you know, because oh, the whole thing about Trump not starting any wars, or whatever. And that's, that's great. You know, I applaud him for that. But at the same time, it's like you were campaigning on ending them. And, you know, we're, as far as I know, we're still in there. And Joe Biden too, he was like, yeah, uh, ending the war in Yemen. So that's a campaign promise. Well, clock is ticking. We're still here and, you know, they're still over there and the worst humanitarian crisis that's happening right now over there and, I don't know, but again, it's who who Trump appointed in his cabinet not very friendly towards that. I mean, you have like John Bolton in there, Rex Tillerson, Mike Pompeo. These aren't these aren't the anti-state people that you'd be like, "Oh man, this is great. Trump is actually acting like he's anti-state." No, he would put in all these deep state people in his cabinet and all that stuff. So, but that's a whole other argument. No, that-
2: no, you're you're 100% right. The only credit I can give him is that he was the most peaceful president for a long time, but that's not saying much. Like he, he, he didn't start new wars and he didn't bomb a bunch of people, but (laughs) he didn't end the stuff he was going to end.
1: Are you saying he was a mostly peaceful president?
2: Yeah, he's a mostly peaceful president. He's 93% peaceful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you could consider the the trade war with China as like being pretty war, but I mean as far as I know trade wars didn't kill anyone. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I know sanctions aren't pretty good either. So Well,
2: I mean I'm just I'm just comparing him to other presidents right, right, objectively, yeah. right? I'm just right. saying like look, you know, compare him to Obama. Drone Tuesdays were not a thing with Trump, right? So you, you know, I I was he great on that front? No. Was he yeah. better than previous presidents? Yes, and I'm sure Biden will bomb way more people than Trump and probably get us into another war. He's already uh, you know, he looks like he's already making moves towards Syria. So,
0: well, the whole like Venezuela coup that was, um, being attempted under Trump that didn't materialize all the, all the stuff with North Korea that kind of went somewhere, but then it didn't go anywhere. So it's kind of up in the air again. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just the whole, the whole thing with their, you know, well- foreign policy and all that.
2: And but remember, also, this is what I think this is why, you know, this is why I prefer the progressives like Jimmy Dore, right, who like look at what the left, the quote, the so-called left, the Democratic Party, look at what they criticized Trump for. Mm -hmm. How dare you talk to North Korea rather than what flex muscle and get us closer to war, like stop talking to dictators and trying to negotiate with them like, no, Th- that's the right thing to do. He was trying to 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 move in a direction of peaceful reconciliation rather than flexing muscle and and trying to goad him into bombing South Korea. Which, if you listen to the rhetoric from the Democratic Party, it seems like that's what they wanted. They were, you know, and and, the, and by the way, when I said the Democratic Party, I mean the entire cathedral, like the the mainstream media as well. You know, how how dare Trump talk to to North Korea? Well, you know. Bombing isn't the answer all the time. Maybe talking to people is a good idea, even if they're evil.
0: Yeah. Also, they kind of, well, not kind of, they painted a picture for Trump as this Russian puppet. Putin helped him win the election and everything like that. But then when you dive deeper into Trump's uh, administration and what he actually did with Russia, it was about as harsh as you could possibly be. He was, him and his cabinet were very very hot. Yeah. Very hot, harsh on Russia. But then you kind of have to, you know, and maybe this is being naive or maybe giving him the benefit of the doubt, but it's like, well, maybe he was looking at it as like, well, they're already painting me as this Russian asset type of guy. So I can't just be like, Yeah, I'm I'm friends with Putin or whatever, and I'm gonna do I'm not gonna be so hawkish towards Russia because then they're gonna keep painting this picture as it, but at the same time, it's like, well, he's being hawkish. And they were still calling him a Russian puppet and everything like that. I mean, they're still doing that now. He should
2: have known better. They were going to call him that regardless of what he did. And yeah. I th- I think Trump probably knows better. But, you know, he, we had to spend time defending him. Like, I'm not a huge Trump fan, but we had to spend time defending him just because they were so ridiculous in their attacks against the guy. They just made no sense. And, I, you know, I know that you've heard this before, but, like, these people project. So when they're, you know, whenever they're saying uh, Trump is a puppet of Russia. Like I immediately think, oh, you're a puppet of Russia. Like, how are you in bed with Russia? Because that's probably more closer to the truth. That's that's how they operate. You know, uh, a leftist, an actual, I, maybe I don't know if he's a progressive, but maybe Kerry would classify him as progressive. Max Blumenthal wrote a great book about mm. uh, called "The Management of Savagery" about uh, the the deep state's antagonism. Uh, of in Afghanistan and Libya and uh, Iraq and how they've actually caused the problems that we're we're now trying to, quote, solve or that we then try and, quote, solve with military intervention. And he has a section towards the end of the book about Trump. And he's not a Trump fan. He he clearly hates Trump, but he sees through this Russian collusion crap. He could see it for what it was, which was uh, basically just a, a... a propaganda operation to try and discredit the guy.
0: Yeah. And also because, you know, Hillary Clinton was being a sore loser because, Oh, it was my turn. I'm supposed to be president. Now it was, it was going to be, it was supposed to be Hillary Clinton versus Jeb Bush, right? It was Bush Clinton. Here we go again with the Bush Clinton regime. Who's going to be, but then Trump came in. And for me, that's the biggest thing about Donald Trump that I will always give him credit for is thank you for defeating the Bush and Clintons. Thank you. I appreciate it. Didn't have Hillary. I mean, now we have joe biden as president so i guess in a way we have obama and and still going but thank you for at the very least not having hillary clinton as the president because who knows what would have happened if she was president or even jeb bush you know so
2: yeah well the fact that she felt entitled is exactly why people hated her
0: well it's funny too because the there she was so hated right but it was it was close it was a close yeah. race. It wasn't just a landslide. Like Trump, oh, I wanted a landslide. Uh, okay, whatever, dude. But, well, yeah. <laughs> a
2: lot of people voted for her because she has ovaries.
0: Well, yeah, that, that is a good point. Good, Very good point. And it's also, you know, with the third party, when Gary Johnson was on CNN and everything like that, say, like, hey, we have Donald Trump, we have Hillary Clinton. Who is this Gary Johnson guy? And then, of course, that became what it is. And now everyone knows. And didn't Johnson.
1: actually vote for her because she's a woman. They did not like they. they I'm just saying they don't. They wouldn't vote for Sarah Palin. They lie when they say oh, that's that. That's true. That's a
2: good point. Yeah.
1: When yeah, they yeah. say that they support social justice, people say that they support people because they are. uh
0: but She has a D next to her name, so that's right, it. Right, but it
1: really comes down to what their beliefs are. They will give right. you more um, if it, if it comes down to a woman versus uh, a man, and they both are Democrats. Uh, they might choose the woman because she's a woman but if it's a mm-hmm. but if it's a republican woman against a democratic man they're gonna pick the democratic man every time like You're it right. doesn't well, trump oh. could have been a
2: black trans woman and and they would not they would, have voted have been for an him. old white guy and still
1: right they would have they would not have voted <laughs> yeah,
0: I, was, I was just going to mention like with joe biden and this whole, all the democrats all the democrats that were running you know joe biden was he was in the lead for, for most of it, I think. And then, you know, Kamala Harris is, is his vice president, but Kamala Harris didn't do Jack. And, and she and, had
1: less than a 1% support when she dropped out.
0: Yeah. yeah it's like with like Tulsi Gabbard, for example, what she was like the most searched person for a while, because she did that, that awesome. Like, you yeah, know, to Kamala Harris and Harris, all the, the Kamala Harris moment, you know, we'll say that, yeah, that uh, awesome time, but yeah. So it, it's just, it's, it, it's it's it is an interesting uh, point where yeah if Sarah Palin they're not gonna vote for her. I mean I am not gonna vote for her because I don't you know whatever but it, it's kind of yeah where someone I guess is where their beliefs are at and everything like that. That's a that's a good point. Um and speaking of like beliefs and whatever like Carrie you're talking about like you're um like being a I guess an SJW so as you will um can you talk about that? Uh, background and how you kind of went from that to where you are now. What was like the breaking point and the light bulb that switched off or switched on or whatever?
1: Um, well, when I met Carter, I was definitely in that social justice belief system, hmm. and I don't know how much he knew that. I,
2: could you tell? Well, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't as attuned to it at oh, the okay. time. I mean, you, know, <laughs> I, you. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but you know who I was hanging out with. Right. So you know what she was like.
1: Well, anyway, uh, so I I don't know if Carter was, I guess he wasn't that attitude, to it, but yeah, I was squarely in the social justice world. I kind of fell into it. It, I went to uh, Duke University and I was um, a science major, biological anthropology, anatomy, but I was a women's studies minor. So I was taken Mm -hmm. for my minor, I was taking a lot of classes in queer theory and critical race theory. And and, um, uh, that was sort of when I fell into it. And I do view it now, in retrospect, as an indoctrination, because uh, it functions, it's a belief system that functions a lot like a cult, not just a religion, but a cult. And when I say cult, I mean, if you look at some of the cult characteristics, which Carter and I've gone through before in episodes, it it checks off a lot of those boxes. It, It doesn't have one charismatic leader like you know, you can't point to a David Koresh or a Jim Jones. As some, and so sometimes people have a hard time viewing it as a cult, but um, it does meet a lot of the other requirements. I mean, you it discourages you from asking questions. There are definite social punishments for asking questions or for disagreeing with any tenets of the belief system, and it also they encourage you to uh, isolate yourself with people who only people who agree with you they encourage you to cut off contact with friends and family who don't agree with you and they do this by making you think those people are all evil they're all bigots even if it's you know your brother who you've known your whole life suddenly they get you to view this person as part of the white supremacist patriarchy and because if he doesn't go along with the belief system then he must be rooted out of your life and uh Uh, So it functions a lot like a cult. And I was in this cult of belief for about two decades. And uh, the way that I, gosh, the way that I tried to spread it in the world was through my career. So like a lot of people that were that picked this up in college, the way I did we went into fields like, I went into entertainment. I was a comedy manager and a television producer. And then friends of mine went into journalism and went into, went on to work at Google and other um, companies like Big Social. And they basically, we all kind of push it wherever we went. And um, I tended to work primarily, not exclusively, but mostly with so- comedians who shared social justice ideology almost exclusively let's say that and um and then uh what happened my wake-up moment well it, it's a long story and and but a couple of things i was talking about this today with um with some friends it was an emotional thing for me that caused me to wake up people always out and carter and i hear from people all the time like how do I wake up my sister or my girlfriend or you know how do they're going down this road and they're starting to say all the same thing? They're all all started. They're starting to sound like a zombie because they're suddenly like white privilege, microaggression, toxic masculinity, you know, and they're saying all the words. Um, it, it wasn't. It, it, you, I, I think it's hard to reach people just with facts and figures, um, and I think you need to reach people emotionally. And what happened with me was uh, I went down a rabbit hole of videos on YouTube of um, people during during the 2016 election season of of people on, presumably on my side on the left attacking Trump supporters, and I had never seen those videos before. And mm-hmm. it really uh, it it really bothered me. It left me I it left me in tears watching because I had I just didn't know that was happening, and I felt. I felt responsible in some way, like and and it was also not what I had been hearing. It wasn't what I believed. I believed Trump supporters were violent.
0: Yeah,
1: I w- I didn't realize I was plugged into this propaganda machine of the media that I was getting this one narrative that was crafted for me, and I believed some of these things without ever having seen evidence of it myself. Um, and here I was looking at evidence of a of a different narrative, evidence of something that I had not heard the media reporting on, and that really shook me and it didn't, it didn't wake me up immediately. I wasn't like the next day, like, Oh, I don't believe in it. But it definitely shifted something in my mind so that I started questioning what I thought was true. I started questioning, well, if I believed that and that's not true, like what else am I wrong about? I started looking at things, I guess, and a bit, a bit more skeptically. And then when Trump won, I saw my side, the left, go crazy in some ways like just really go overboard I saw articles they were writing articles about why we shouldn't have empathy for Trump voters they were trying to call all Trump voters nazis which I'm like are are we crazy now that's in, you can't just call 63 million people nazis and simultaneously say it's okay to punch, to punch and physically assault people so you're saying it's okay to physically assault Trump supporters that doesn't that's not what I signed up for that's not liberalism and so I started like slowly investigating, what is it that I believe? What do I actually believe? And then I started looking at this belief system I was in and, and figuring out, wait a minute, this isn't the social justice stuff is not liberalism. And the way that it, I've been believing for two decades now that the way to end racism and sexism is, it, they, they tell you this, the way to end racism and sexism is to treat people differently on the basis of race and sex. And they have all these reasons why you have to do that. Well, we've redefined racism. So here's why it's okay to do that because we've redefined it and we've redefined sexism. So here's why it's okay to do that. But at the end of the day, if you look at it, it's like they are telling you that you need to go out and judge people on the basis of race and sex. And, and that's evil. Um, And so it, it was a hard awakening. I kind of rambled a bit. Now it was a hard awakening, but I started it, it was, a, it was like a, a six months to a year period of time that I, my beliefs started changing and the nature of the stuff I was sharing online started changing. And so Carter reached out to me. I lost a bunch of friends. I lost a lot of, I had to quit my career in the entertainment industry, but Carter, uh, I also made a lot of new friends and some old acquaintances like Carter came started getting in touch and wanted to talk to me. So it's, it's, you're going to, if you, if you leave this belief system, you're going to lose a lot of things and people sometimes get paralyzed by the fear of what they're going to lose. But I'll tell you, there's nothing that you're going to lose that won't be worth it on the other side. At least that's my opinion. And that was my experience. And um, Carter got in touch and he was like, Oh, suddenly he's like, Oh, I want to talk to you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> now, now I want to talk to you. We were like Facebook acquaintances for years. And I, I, you were just in the ignore pile, and then oh. you wrote that essay, and I was like, "Oh, she's interesting." Suddenly, like, she's wow. Okay, um, yeah. You also get. I mean, you can't have personal integrity if you don't. I think the journey that you're that you're describing, Carrie, is one that not a lot of people go on which is a real introspective examination of what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Am I sure about it? Like what makes me think that the things I'm spouting are true? Um, And I think once you do that, uh, you've already lost, you've already lost people who don't like that. You just don't know it yet. Like they're already going to leave you eventually and your relationship with them, you know, you, you're required to have some integrity at that point. And once you do that, you know, if they yeah. don't want the real you, then then you can't have a relationship moving forward anyway. It's just fake.
1: Yeah, Carter was basically saying, you know, let's say you start to have this awakening and you start to realize you're wrong about a lot of things. Let's say you're in the social justice club and you start to come out of it. Well, at that, at that point, do you choose to stay quiet and just be a fraud? Because your relationships with those people are already fundamentally changed, Carter was saying, anyway they you've just changed right you're changed. not presenting an authentic
2: and, self to them anymore right
1: and so now if you just fake it and and so i had that whole moment of well am i just gonna fake it and and while i was like changing my the way i looked at social justice i was in at towards the end shane i was in the middle of selling another social justice uh tv pilot hmm. and i had because the pilot process can sometimes take it had taken a couple years from when we had originally written the concept to when we got a production company on board and then we got a network on board and then the network was gonna pay us to produce the pilot. And so by this time, I didn't even believe in any of this crap anymore. At Mm -hmm. the time I I started pitching it, it it was my life's purpose. And now I'm like, okay, now I have to fly to Los Angeles. We're gonna shoot this pilot. And I think it's actively making the world a worse place if it gets made. Am I just gonna shut up and go along with this thing and take the money? Or am I gonna say, no, I can't be a part of this. And uh, fortunately the pilot didn't get picked up and uh, I was spared having to make that decision. (laughs) But then after that, then I I really was like, okay, I took that as a sign. And I really, it's like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep, I'm not gonna start another project. That's for sure, pitching social justice. I can't keep up this facade. And, And it became my fear of what I was gonna lose became less uh, important to me than my fear of what's gonna happen in the world as this ideology gets more mainstream. Like I became more afraid of, if I don't say something about what this is, look at all my friends that I've pushed into social justice over the years. Look at all the people I've pulled into this belief system and I'm not gonna say something now. So I finally was like, well, I'm just gonna, I guess, do. I'm just gonna come out and whatever. Lose whatever I lose, and good riddance. Don't get me—I I can. I'm flipping about it now. At the time, I was—I was paralyzed yeah. for a while. But now I can look back and say, yeah, whatever, whatever. All those friends who front and it's painful when it happens. You know, I remember it being painful. Now I look back on it, some of those uh, painful unfriendings, and it's like, oh well, yeah, I'm better off without that person. <laughs> Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in a way it was like were they really your friends in the first place because like you like you were saying you kind of went through this kind of gradual change and then when you kind of went to that point where you're like okay I'm completely done with it they're like well I'm done with you now because I don't know how to have a conversation with you because you don't agree with me 100% now so it's like I don't know how to disagree with people. I don't know what to do when someone's telling me that they don't believe in the same thing I believe in. This is crazy. What kind of world we live in, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's also funny, too, because we were talking earlier about, like, universities and how this indoctrination and everything like that. I'm sure, like you were saying, too, about your, it was like this cult or whatever. And being in university, especially nowadays, it's, it's, like, really kind of in your face and people know about it. It's out in the open that, yeah, well, like, I don't know what the percentage is. But I know it's, like, a huge amount of professors that are in college or, or like, these, you know, left or socialists or Marxists or whatever, what have you, type of ideologies – yeah,
1: over no over thirty percent are admitted Marxists. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah, yeah and it,
2: almost all of them are, are left. Our social, yeah, down. almost all are left. Yeah, leaning, I mean, yeah. like almost almost zero. It's not quite zero, but like it's single digit percentage would claim to be Republican or conservative or some non-left yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, and then you kind of wonder, well, how many of those people that that, that haven't said anything they don't either the one they don't want their politics out there because if I say I'm a Republican or a conservative or even to the right of Bernie Sanders or whatever, then I'm gonna be ostracized or anything like that, you know? Yeah and so and another thing too that I, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask is from all that stuff that happened to you and everything like that, is there anything in terms of like the social justice or what you believed in at the time? Are there stuff that you still have that inside you that I still believe in these things, but I want it, I want it to spread it in a, I guess in a better way.
1: Well, absolutely. I still, obviously I oppose racism and sexism. Yeah. That's why I'm so vocally against social justice ideology. Now that's why it's so important to me to, st- you know, I'm going to talk about my own belief system and what's horribly wrong about it until I don't feel compelled to do so anymore. Until I don't view it as a threat anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, it is is an incredibly racist and sexist ideology. And I call it evil a lot. And I I don't use that word lightly. I call it evil because it actually convinces well-intentioned people that what they're doing is fighting racism and sexism while it turns them into puppets for this belief system. That's evil. That's that's evil. You are taking people and using them as as foot, foot soldiers for the very things they think they're fighting. So, yeah, I still obviously oppose to racism and sexism. And uh, it's interesting. I can still, if there are people in my life, and there are a few, not a lot, but there are a few from my former life who still subscribe to social justice ideology, who I'm friendly with, who I'm friends with. If And the way that I think about it is, if they haven't unfriended me, that says something about them because the ideology um, is get, it, there's a lot of pressure within it for them to do not just a, an unfriending, but e- even like a public denouncement of me, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a heretic now. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't done that, well, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to unfriend them because there's something in them that's open in my mind. It's like there's something in them that's open to questioning if they're still friends with me yeah. when I'm, when I am so, openly speaking against the, their belief system. Um, and so what I was saying to Carter once is, or a couple times we've talked about this is like, I have a friend who pushes this belief system and she pushes it in her work and in her comedy, but I know her and I know that here's what we have in common. We both oppose racism and sexism. We have that in common. If you tear everything down, we have that in common. It's just that she's still in the that ideology I used to be in and she thinks that what she's doing is good. She thinks that this ideology is the way to fight racism and sexism. And she hasn't, she hasn't fought her way out of that, that paper bag yet. Like she's in that she hasn't left the cult yet. Um, But I know that her intent is good and that's enough for me to stay friends with her because maybe one day she'll be able to see this for what it is and be like, yeah, Hey, maybe if I'm against racism, I shouldn't be saying that we need to treat judge and treat people differently on the basis of race mm-hmm. that because we have good intentions and it'll be okay <laughs> like let's be racist but for these good reasons and I'll, and also we change the definition of racism so it's okay like maybe one day she'll come to that awakening and i want to be that soft spot where she lands when she starts to question things because um you know it is like leaving a cult you are going to be very isolated and it's hard for people so I just kind of hope that answered it, but i d I don't I feel like in the end I didn't change that much. Um I I just changed the way I looked at things. I still mm-hmm. oppose racism and sexism. I still oppose censorship. I still oppose uh violence. I believe in the non-aggression principle. None of these things changed. I just realized that my belief system didn't support the things that I believe in. No. <laughs> Isn't that crazy you can get into, you can be at the you can you can be a foot soldier for an entire ideology and think and think that you're not a pawn and think that this this whole belief system is oh yeah of course we're for this is all liberalism right like that's this is all progressive no it's not it's not and it sells itself as that it sells itself as progressivism and liberal it's not it's illiberal mm-hmm. I get p- pretty angry about it sometimes. <laughs> so, calm down now, Carter's like, okay, Carrie's rants over. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's all good. It's all
1: good.
0: Yeah, that, that's it's interesting. Um, you know, it's it, it's kind of like when you're talking about just the fact that when you're seeing Trump supporters being beaten up or anything like that, and it's like that's not what I was believed to think about with what, what I have felt. Just that one instance alone. Like you're, you're a hundred percent still a progressive or anything like that. You know, like the Glenn, the Glenn Greenwalds or the Brett Weinsteins of the world, you know, they're still in that left wing type of ideology or in that left wing sphere or whatever. But just the fact that like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, for example, is kind of pushing about, you know, the censorship and everything like that. I, I see other left wingers being like this Glenn Greenwald guy. I don't know. I don't even know this guy anymore. Like what happened to him? Like he's different now. I don't like this. You know, just the fact that he's being open about it. Yeah. You know? It's it's crazy.
1: And they don't, they never think, hey, wait a minute, maybe Glenn Greenwald didn't change. He still opposes censorship like liberals should, like yeah. liberals are supposed to, and that it's liberalism that's getting changed. The word liberal is getting changed by this um by this parasitic belief system that is not liberal, that's that's trying to consume liberalism. And trying to take the word, I won't. I don't want to relinquish the word liberal. Carter and I talk about that sometimes. He's like, ah, oh, they've already taken. No, it. No, I think you've convinced
2: right? me because I think I think the savior that we need is Socrates, um, <laughs> because Socrates was obsessive about definitions, and I think we throw words around like progressive and liberal and left and right or or rights or yeah. um, racism or whatever. All these words and very few people know what they actually mean they they haven't actually defined what is progressivism what does it mean to be liberal it's not a grab bag of random beliefs or maybe it is have you defined it um and so i think i think we're suffering and i and and i believe this is intentional and it's related to really bad philosophy pushed through universities for the past 100 years um, but we're suffering from an abhorrent lack of understanding what the words that we're saying mean that are coming out of our mouths as we're saying them. Like we we use these. I mean, just look at any look at uh, Biden's executive order speech that he gave the other day. Blah, 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 blah. He were the principal, the founding principles of America. Like he uses these words like equality, but nothing. He uses just any of those sentences you can pick apart and you can see he's got multiple completely contradictory concepts thrown together as if they all are one thing that goes together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not supposed to it's like the emperor has no clothes. You're not supposed to point out those words don't go together. Those are contradictory concepts. You can't in one breath say I care about individualism and treating people equal people equally and also equity racial equity like those are completely contradictory Mm -hmm. one is collectivism one's individualism they are opposed diametrically on almost every level philosophically and you just spout them together like people are the and you gloss over the fact that you are speaking a, a, a train of contradictions and no one no one questions you and it's because no one has been taught that words mean things
1: yes this is one of my biggest complaints about people who are in the cult they don't even they don't treat words. Carter talks about they don't treat words as things with meaning. They that with meaning and and as tools to better there's communicate. There's no reference
2: to reality in their Right, there's in no there reference reality.
1: to reality and there's no they don't treat words as tools used for better understanding so we can understand each other better and communicate better. They treat words as tools to manipulate and control you. That's it. They use them like magic words. They don't actually care about better understanding and let's make sure we have the same definitions. They will say whatever they need to. That's why they contradict themselves all the time. They don't really care. The words don't have to. And so I've seen to that you're rallying up again, because I've seen them say Good. like, like so social justice and white supremacy are both collectivist ideologies. They both say we should look at people as a group and judge them based on what group they're in, like whether they're black or white. Or ra- let's look at people in what racial group they're in and let's treat them accordingly as racial groups or as sex groups or whatever. Let's not treat them as individuals. That's what collectivism right. is. Right. They're and both we collectivists. Transfer, we should transfer then,
2: sins of the father onto the son or the zur or whatever, right. yeah.
1: Instead of treating you as an individual, they want to treat you as a group member. Okay, so I've had conversations with social justice warriors online where I'll point this out, say social justice is collectivist. It's opposed to individualism. Well, the 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 people up at the top of the ideology, the ones we call the like the high priests and priestesses of the movement, like people like Ibram X. Kendi, Robin DeAngelo, these people who are writing all the popular books and getting the accolades, and and they change over time. There's never, you know, they'll they'll be torn down at some point. And there'll be other stars of the movement, but they say they figure out whatever the best um, if if there's any type of. Uh, argument being put forward where people are starting to point out some things about this belief system, they'll figure out what is useful, what magic words are useful to deflect that criticism. And it'll trickle down to the soccer moms on Facebook who have just now like newbie SJWs and they'll start using those words without even knowing what they mean. And so one of those things I've noticed, we've noticed in the past two years, they are suddenly very openly attacking individualism. They never used to do that. But I think that's because people have been successfully pointing out this is a collectivist belief system. It's not individualist. And so, and so I think I'd, I
2: predicted that, by the way. I yes, don't want to pat myself on the back, but, but I think I <laughs> predicted they would start attacking individualism directly But as they're doing it directly. Concept.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, but so here's what's happening now is yes, I'm in conversations with newbie SJWs, like these soccer moms who are now because of. It got accelerated in June and July around George Floyd. It became super mainstream. So now I have these brand new soccer mom newbie SUWs who are coming and saying things to me like when I point out, hey, social justice is a collectivist belief system like white supremacy. And they're like, actually, Individualism is a dog whistle for white supremacy, and I'm like, what does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything, you don't even know what words mean. That doesn't make any sense. White supremacy is a collectivist belief system, how is it also individualism? Like, you don't words mean things. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I get, but, they, I got, but they, it's, it's a I, you huge know what? Problem, it's a huge I problem. It's not that they don't even know,
2: I don't think they care that they don't words care. Mean right it's because like you said they're magic words like a lot of magic incantations are like wingardium leviosa right they're just made <laughs> up crap so they're just looking for the right syllables yes. to get you to behave the way they want like yes. what syllables do i spout so that it yes. behaves the way i want like and if those syllables don't work they switch out for some new syllables um yeah. but there's no i the people at the top even back before so it used to be that if you said this is collectivist and not individualist. The low level soccer moms didn't know how to respond, right? Cause they were like, oh, it is like, they didn't know how to respond.
1: They don't know but the high level
2: priestesses, <laughs> they knew, they knew it was anti they knew it was collectivist. Right. And they knew it was anti-individualist. And now they've figured out, oh, we have to just, we have to take this word individualism and paint it with the patina of white supremacy. Like we've done with everything good, like reason, logic, science, showing up on time, like they've taken everything good and said it's part of white supremacy, it's whiteness. And they've painted everything good with whiteness. And then they've passed this down to the soccer moms so that if anyone says, well, you know, uh, black people could show up on time. Like we could expect them to behave like rational beings. (gasps) Nope, that's part of whiteness. You're being a white supremacist.
0: Well, so three things that I wanted to mention. First, if we wanna like know the definition of words, I can get a dictionary. You know, and look it up right now. I can. Well, they
2: there no, but here's the thing the dictionary, they own the dictionary. So you've seen words in, in m w.com or uh, dictionary.com. You have seen words Theory start to change face. because they own mm-hmm. the dictionary. I've got behind me on the shelf, I've got a dictionary from like the 1920s. And it's one of my favorite things to reference because you can see how they've like, This is not a new phenomenon. They have been changing the terminology slowly over time, and they do it as soon as they can get away with it. So Mm -hmm. what was the one recently they decided they could get away with, Carry that I forget there was some word that they, as soon as it became popular, they changed it. I forget what it was. They changed the word
1: sexual preference. They changed preference. Yes, that's the one. Mm. But they did that specifically in response to uh, a media firestorm, an attempted uh, takedown of... Amy Coney Barrett during her Supreme Court confirmation hearing.
2: Right, so they needed to make an argument and the words didn't match the argument they wanted to make so they changed the words, which is, you know, which is why this is one of the reasons why, I mean, you know this about me, Shane, but like I'm not a big, I'm not huge into politics and and I'm fundamentally an anarcho-capitalist. And one of the reasons I don't think we can vote our way out of this or have better written constitutions in the end without the culture to support it is they'll give us they'll grant us the constitution they just want the dictionary and whoever owns the dictionary controls you don't need it doesn't matter what's written in the constitution or what any of the fancy the like any libertarians like wet dream of a constitution would be whatever their their like fantasy utopian rules are it doesn't matter if i own the dictionary it doesn't matter what your words say cuz <laughs> i just redefined them all and that's what the left has been doing for generations and they've been doing it slowly and now they're just accelerating it to the point where people are really noticing um one of the first words i noticed was uh a financial term they've changed the word inflation inflation (laughs) used to just (laughs) mean right inflation would be uh expansion of the money supply that's it that was inflation yeah price inflation was separate like price inflation happened after inflation inflation was Expansion of the money supply. Now, inflation just means well when prices finally rise, and if we can, you know, jigger some stuff to make that happen later, or claim that they don't, or, or pick a basket of things to measure where they don't rise as much. Like there's no inflation. Like that's not true. As soon as you run your printing press, there's inflation. They've changed the term, um, and and people getting degrees in economics now don't even know that. They don't know the uh, the original term, because no, they don't want them to know. That's a minor one, but it's an old one. It's why I'm picking on it cuz it's been that way for a long time.
0: Well, another thing too cuz you're talking about like equality and inequity. People were probably confused because they both start with E Q U. So when they saw the spell <laughs> and they go, "Oh, right. I guess they're all the same then cuz the first And equestrian,
2: members, they're all the same thing." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> then like with the constitution or whatever, I I would just love to have a president of, of some kind or whatever where the president like the constitution just <laughs> rip that thing, the, rip that lip it apart. Who cares about the constitution? I don't care about no constitution. The constitution was either unfit to serve or, you know, it was, pa- it was powerless to, you know, whatever is hoping, happening in the world right now, it was powerless to stop it. Right.
2: I think you could make an argument for if you wanted to have a state that was actually limited. I think you could make an argument for when they, when they found the state, if they want to write some documents, they have to include Uh, like an unabridged dictionary and be like, this is the reference for the document. That's it. This is the reference. There's no argument. Uh, You can build an AI to interpret laws. You don't need a judge. Like there's no, like this is it. This is the reference. Um, (laughs) But I'm sure there would be a way around that as well. Ultimately, and this is why I'm not a big fan of uh, arguing about politics, because ultimately I think, you need the culture needs to support whatever system that you want, and so yeah. if you, if you have you can have the most beautiful constitution or the most beautiful set of laws or the the optimistic the, or the the, op, the optimized government, the most ideal government that you think should be in existence. Uh, but if the entire culture is churning out SJWs and Marxists, and that's who populates the culture, it doesn't matter what's written on pieces of paper. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, because the culture matters.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's for sure because, you know, I don't know, there's like what, 350 million people in America right now, and it's probably going to continue to rise. And yeah, I mean, the culture is basically telling every single person, when we're talking about American culture, talking about every single person in America, we got to think the same. Everybody's got to think all alike. So basically, anyone who lives in Nebraska, you got to think the exact same thing as anyone in Hollywood. So that's why every time I see, Hollywood production, they talk about middle America, all of the middle of America looks like freaking stupid idiots. They're like, rrr, 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 with buck teeth and all that, because that's the yeah. stereotype, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's stupid. It, it, and yeah.
2: well, I, you're using the word think liberally, but yes. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. they
2: don't, they don't actually want people
0: to think they want people to, no. to obey. That's what they, yes. they want know, to you know, it's like, whenever I see the term like free thinker, like I'm a free thinker. I'm like, okay, well, are you really a free thinker? Because like a conservative can say they're a free thinker, but they're gonna stay in the conservative uh, like realm. Right. So are they really a free thinker? It just sounds. I would like warm. to do a survey of all yeah. the
2: hippies that used to have Question authority bumper stickers on their VW buses and see how they're like oh. how they're behaving now. Because I think all of them are hands down mask Karen's. They're all no, mask no, no. Like, I, yeah, I, 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 like
1: no wrong.
2: Are there a few who aren't?
1: There are some wrong. who no, I, Jimmy, you're just, gonna
2: cite Jimmy Dore again. No, like three no, no, let
1: me speak for myself. <laughs> uh, no, there are they're not all that way, but a lot of them a lot of them are. But I know some. I know some who hippies who go to the anti mask protests here in Texas.
0: So they and they're true. on the
1: left and they say true. But you're right. They there could. are a lot. I also know a lot of them who used to question authority and now they're like, you know, marching orders and they're all for authoritarian measures and they're for lockdown. I do know those. There's probably more of those. You're right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Question they want you to wear. sticker turns into totally. I think there should be censorship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they want you to wear three masks because two isn't enough. We should wear yeah. three. Yeah, that'll melt Yeah. Oh that's a cool thing now, right? Does wear three masks and you're good to four.
1: go. I've seen where four. Uh, we were, ta- I was talking with friends today about this and um, they were telling me they have a friend who, so when you're in a society that is forcing you to live and speak lies. um, uh, And my friend had a word for this and I'm probably going to mess it up because I, we were just having this, I think she was saying it's sort of hyper surrealism. I might be getting that mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but it it see that. yeah, but it made me it made me think of a sermon I heard a few weeks ago. Of, uh, my preacher was talking. He was quoting Alexander Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he was kind of paraphrasing. And he was saying we're entering a, a period of time where um, the the most important thing you could do, and maybe the only thing that's asked of all of us, is just not to participate in the lie. Don't say and and do things that you don't believe to be true. You know, and um, and so one of our friends was saying, well, you either stand up and say, I'm not going to participate in this because I believe it's a lie. For example, um, I don't think and this is probably going to be unpopular, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't think the masks help very much at all in a pandemic. In fact, I haven't seen I know and I haven't seen any studies. Well, you're that only have wearing shown one. Three. And, uh, and I've read studies, by the way. I've read, I've read the studies. I've read the efficacy studies. Um, and I've, I challenge those people who continue to say the science is on their side. First of all, science doesn't need you to trust it. Science doesn't need trust. Science needs to be reproducible. And it needs yeah. to state clearly what its methods were. Science <laughs> and has that's a it. null hypothesis and,
2: just to yes, remind people.
1: <laughs> so so anyway, I don't really believe it. And so I generally don't wear them and it, I choose when I'm when it's when I I choose when I wear it and I choose when I don't. If I want to go in your store bad enough and you require it, I might wear it. I might not. Like it just depends on how I feel that day. And uh but but I think it this is all a form of uh it's more about control than it is really about any type of protecting anyone from anything and so i don't usually wear it and and that's how i choose not to participate in the lie because i think it's a lie my that my friend was saying they have a friend who goes the other way it's like you can choose not to participate in the lie by going so far into the lie that you're pointing out the absurdity so he wears one of those crazy gas masks oh yeah and he wears it everywhere, and if anybody says anything, he alarms people, makes people feel uncomfortable. He has an infrared light that he'll be like, "I'm sorry, you're just not taking COVID seriously enough. Let me scan your hands." Oh. And-, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
1: and I like, I kind of like that too. I do that sometimes. Carter saw, like, I went on a fancy date to a sushi restaurant, and I just wore a black bag over my head, like I was going to. a, a beheading and that was like and you know that again that's the way to participate in the lie but to such a crazy degree that people are it kind of calls attention to the lie anyway i'm getting off subject now shane this is probably going to be the part i just based on the other interviews i've done this is where there's going to be the most controversy oh I'm, no it's totally sorry. fine no. <laughs>
0: No worries. I was gonna say because you know, you see those masks where they had like writings on them, you know, like like this is bullshit or something like yeah. that. It's kind of kinda of similar, I guess. But I mean, it's not as extravagant yeah. as wearing a gas mask and having an infrared laser. Yeah. Yeah. i like that just well, think it's so like far. like
2: many things though, they've framed this debate in terms of black and white when it ought not be, right? Yeah. Masks of course reduce probability that you transmit anything. Of course they do. Yes. Like, like putting your hand in front of your mouth like this reduces the I mean slightly. Well, when you, the probability. They want
0: you know, to go like this, like a vampire.
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. But my, my my point is like, this is a probability game. This yes. This is it's not black and white, right? Every time you step out of the house, there's a bunch of risk that you're taking on, and that you are potentially exposing other people to by virtue of yeah. your existence. So, that the mask, the 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 real conversation around the mask shouldn't be do they help or not like of course they help a tiny bit but there are cost benefit analysis too and how much do they help is it actually worth it do they actually does a mask prevent it or is it marginally helpful and is it actually worth the cost to have it actually there's, worth there's real the cost? social costs to having masks all right. around
1: Right. Right. And is it worth the cost to have all these healthy people and healthy children, four year olds, healthy four year olds wearing these things all the time and seeing everyone wear them all the time and wearing them outside thinking this is normal? Yeah. And we're not allowed to have that conversation. So I know when I talk, people think, oh, she's completely anti-mask and I am not. And if I were sick, I would put one on. And it depends on the context and the situation. But what I'm saying is I do not believe the lie that we all need to be wearing these all the time and children and outside and that this does anything to reduce um, the the uh, uh, infection rates in a pandemic. I just don't believe so. Most of the people I know have gotten COVID wear masks.
2: Yeah. And, well, also- and, there, and there's not going to end with COVID because there's always going to yeah. be something like once you get people using the masks and you get them willing to just obey uh especially if i did see a guy today with two masks by the way while (laughs) i was hiking without a mask he had two. um so like once you get people to do that well look there's a million diseases that we can warn people about um and they're not some of them are more deadly some of them are less deadly than covid um and there's just gonna be more now that people are used to it there's an endless potential supply of excuses to for why mask mandates need to be uh, enshrined. And so I like when I look at masks and I think to myself, yeah, they probably help. Yes, they probably help to some extent. Yes, COVID is bad. You know what's definitely much, much worse? Giving power to authoritarians. That's like this that's killed way more people than COVID ever could hope. Uh, Like over a hundred million people last century were killed by their own governments. Granting authoritarian power to a government because you're scared of a virus is the dumbest thing you could possibly do for your long-term health. It is absolutely moronic. Wear a mask if you want, but but supporting mandated masks uh, mask mandates from governments is extremely dangerous. It's got it's it sets a precedent and it's got long-term consequences that no one wants to talk about. So it's not that I'm not afraid of covid, I'm more afraid of authoritarians. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. People don't want to hear that, and I, I'm—I know we're now—we're just totally on the same. Stand- I'm sorry, Shay. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I, I can, make, let's rant about COVID for yeah. a while. But that I, was great. Yeah. I hate that they—they they try to corner the market on concern, and they're liars. Most of the people I know who support the authoritarian measures, who support government lockdowns and government mask mandates, first of all, they were not voluntarily choosing to wear masks in January of 2020, the way Carter was carter voluntarily yeah, I was, I was
2: masked up and, and, and gloved and isolated way before any voluntary yes w- because, way before oh, any because he stuff. believes yeah.
1: in personal responsibility he doesn't believe in the government should come in and force you to do he believes that we should you should weigh the risks weigh the cost do your analysis and then and then readjust as you learn more information over time which he has done yeah. um but but they try to pretend like they on the market on compassion. And if you don't go along with these authoritarian measures, you don't care about people. And I'm so sick of that because we have to treat them with um, it's almost like uh, different standards where uh, I, I don't I don't usually and I haven't for the most part said I haven't used their tactics on them. But now I'm starting to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to use your tactics on you because it happens to be true. You people don't care about people prove to me that you care about people if you're supporting the government forcing people to shut down their small businesses which is increasing um you know p- increasing suicides yeah. among teenagers even increasing uh addiction rates domestic abuse rates um people have lost their life's work people are losing their homes and this is fundamentally this is going to have repercussions and consequences for generations that we don't even fully understand yet. And you guys are saying that you're the ones that care about people, screw you. Screw, you don't care about any of that. You don't even let us talk about it. So
0: yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because at the beginning of all this that happened, like Nico and I, we would wear masks and everyone would look at us like we were gonna, we we just came out from like, we just murdered somebody right in front of them or whatever. And then (laughs) we got 180, like a couple months later, I was like, now we're wearing a mask, and everyone's like, "Yes, wear a mask." Yes, but before it wasn't like that. And even the Surgeon General, Trump Surgeon General, was like, "You don't even wear a mask. It's like, yeah, why are you wearing a mask?" And Fauci like Pelosi, said, "Don't wear it."
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Fauci and Pelosi, and, and I think I don't know who else, but like when all this was happening, he's like, "No, go to Chinatown. It's great. Continue to go to Chinatown. You know, regular." But now it's flipped. Oh my gosh! Like you're saying, you want to have a conversation? Well, you must be a conspiracy theorist. You must think COVID is a hoax. I'm like. When did I ever say hoax, when did that word ever come out of my mouth? Never. Right, right. It never came out of my mouth in a context of "I think COVID nineteen is a hoax. You should stop talking about it and oh, stop they're gonna, learning." It. Yeah, they
1: clip that now, Shane. Now they're going to, you there. know, <laughs> it's being a
0: controversy. Yeah, it's being controversy.
1: <laughs> now but, they're gonna take that out of context. Yeah. But,
0: but another <laughs> thing this too- is
2: how you know this. Sorry, this, this is how you know you have a society of people who aren't thinking though because they they immediately link an emotional attribute to an action, right? If you care, you do X. And that that equation, if caring, then X, is, is an unquestioned, unquestionable tenet of a religion. That, mm-hmm. like, when anyone behaves that way, that's when you know they're not thinking at all. That's not a thinking person. A thinking person says, I care, Therefore, I'm going to analyze and I may conclude x. And if someone else says I conclude not x, I might ask them about their analysis and we get into a discussion about it. I don't immediately say, "How dare you? You must not care." Because I understand there's a thought process going between caring and x. Yeah. But if if there's no thought process, you you treat everyone who's it's it's tribalism. Everyone who has the religion of the other god must necessarily be evil and needs to be wiped out um it's we are in the movie idiocracy people just don't realize they've already they've already gone under they're already they've already been cryogenically frozen and they're gonna wake up you know in a few hundred years and we're just getting to that spot that's we're working on getting society there for them right now that's what we're doing
0: so I think instead of idiocracy, maybe we should live in demolition, man. You know, Sylvester Stallone comes out. Oh, what the hell? is going on? Yeah, uh, well, you know?
2: we can hope that they froze Sylvester Stallone, but
0: I don't think they did. You got Wesley's around, killing everyone, you know?
1: We need another uh, – I think we need another escape from L.A. We need Snake Plissken to come in. Yes. And, yeah, yeah I need – I want to see that movie where he's, he's escaping from uh, the modern-day Los Angeles with lockdowns and <laughs> – homelessness out of control and mass mandates and you can't celebrate Thanksgiving, but you know, Gavin
0: Well, well I mean, as far as I know, <laughs> and I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, I, I, maybe I'm thinking of it wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure like Kurt Russell is kind of more in that libertarian realm. So, I mean, he would probably like, yeah, let's do a movie <laughs> yeah, like yeah,
1: that, great.
0: <laughs> yeah. But another thing too about like culture and all that stuff is that um a, like a good friend of ours, Pete is on his podcast, he was talking about how, when everyone started wearing a mask, At that moment is when the culture just completely changed because now, like you're saying, everybody has to wear a mask. Like kids, they're all they're seeing is people with masks on. They're thinking this is normal, and now it pretty much is because when when all the mask stuff started, all the mask mandates when all that started, and it's still going on as of now. Who who knows? You know, and like you're saying, like like if you want to wear a mask, that's fine because you know, and, and I'm sure you know about this where a lot of Asian cultures they'll wear masks. If they feel even a little sick, they'll wear it like in Japan Korea. That's like normal for them. But it's not like something where it was like, I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, I don't know if it was some authoritarian Like you better wear a mask, whatever. It was just something it's that there was like. Personal
1: like, choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's cultural. Yeah. But like. Yeah, There's been a lot of time in yeah.
2: Japan. It wasn't like. And people, you would see people on the subway sometimes when like they, yeah. when they were sick, you would wear a mask. And yeah. like that was just a social norm. Um, right. And it's done out of courtesy. And I don't think that's a bad social norm for us to adopt, actually. I think that would be mm-hmm. that would be a great social norm for us to adopt. I'm fine that with
1: that. Be, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's
2: great. Um, but you know, you could see people at the beginning of this though, you could see people were you could see the people who were getting off on this because they were running around saying, Well, this is the new normal. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. like that, they're that, wanting that, that, it to be normalized yeah. and it has been normalized. Yeah. And and that's exactly
0: yeah. the point with the whole culture thing is that once Everyone started doing it and talking about like the new normal, like you were saying, or, you know, you have to wear a mask or you want grandma to die. That's when everything really just kind of changed. It wasn't about the virus anymore. It was all about, like you're saying, control. And everyone worshiping the state. Oh, Dr. Fauci. What would Dr. Fauci do? I need to buy merch with Dr. Fauci's face on it. Like that's a Definitely. thing now. Yeah. It's just oh, like. Come on, man. Like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci must be like, man, this is awesome. I'm getting so much publicity. I hope this never ends. I want COVID 19 to be around forever so I can continue to have my face on people's shirts and maybe they'll wear a mask with my face on it. That'd be cool, right?
1: Yeah. I, I haven't just think looked. He's
2: got to have shares in some pharmaceuticals, right? I, I don't know.
0: Uh, it's, it's possible. Yeah. You,
1: yeah. You shouldn't say things you haven't looked up. But <laughs> I just said he got to. I, I okay. prefaced by saying, you know, okay, someone can look it up. <laughs> I, uh, well, I was going to say, oh, I was just going to talk about just for a second. It's the paranoia that it is increasing among people that people who had pre-existing issues with anxiety, germophobia, like paranoia, and and I know those things are going through the roof right now. Um, both statistically, I've seen the suicide rates. I've also anecdotally know that this to be true just from people I know and conversations I've had about it, uh, inflating and validating people's irrational fears, people who already had those kind of fears. And, and, and that's not limited to adults. You know, if people think this isn't having an adverse effect on children, they're wrong. And, and especially if any of those kids already tend to be worriers or to have some type of, anxiety issue or some, some, uh, you know, irrational fear about germs or, and things like that. And, and, and now you have parents trying to deal with that. And it, you know, every time the kids, I I talked to a friend who, you you know, the kid is getting stomach aches every day because they're afraid they're going to get sick. Hmm.
2: Well, I mean, look look at look at they're being raised in a dystopian nightmare where they're being taught to fear other human beings. I mean, can you imagine that you're raised in an environment in which other human beings are viewed as threats? Primarily, they're viewed as threats like you and I, we were all raised in an environment. When you you go for a walk, you smile and wave, maybe maybe you meet people when you go out like human Mm -hmm. beings are interesting and potential friends and comrades and like you sh- maybe i shouldn't use the word comrade but whatever like they're, they're <laughs> people, you can, people you can interact with and get something from in a mutually beneficial way they're they're, they're an asset to the world now people are viewed as that's danger they, people are dangerous you got to stay away from them you've got they've got to wear masks or you can't get close you got to wear your mask it's people it's really flips the way that you view human beings as a as I would imagine as a kid, it really has got to mess with your, your ability to even appreciate humans at all. And to want to be, it's probably going to create a lot of agoraphobia. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, without even looking at, uh, any of the other psychological effects, just look at this. We know, we know that social media use among kids is, is very dangerous, especially like young girls, like preteen and teenage teenage girls. Uh, it's, the more social media use correlates to suicide and a whole bunch of other stuff like social media is a very dangerous place yeah. for kids. Um, and there's been prior to COVID lots of work, studying this, people concerned about it, people worrying about how to deal with it. Well, what have we done? We've take, we've taken their entire social life and moved it into social media. They do. Kids do not have a social life outside of social media anymore. That's it because they're not allowed to, hmm. they can't go hang out together. They are all online all the time. You don't have to do any any other analysis, other than realize that to notice. Oh well, that's gonna that's gonna cause problems because yeah. we already know being online and social media causes problems. So more of that means more problems. That's QED.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a uh... that's really interesting. You know, it's also, um, I mean, it's just it's just scary. You know, like the corporate press is really at fault with this too. Just kind of the, the fear mongering and you know like you're saying people being threats and all that and it's like if you're watching CNN or whatever they have like the COVID-19 death ticker like oh how many people have died you know it's just like like and I don't know obviously I'm not saying like a five year old's gonna be watching CNN or whatever but just having it on the TV no but worries. their parents are
1: and sometimes well, yeah yeah exactly it's them you know right and yeah and they, and that stuff's political they took that ticker mm-hmm. down didn't they when Biden was inaugurated yeah
2: now that Biden's president there's yeah. no ticker anymore
1: But really? Wow. (laughs) Problem solved. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they'll bring it back when they need us to all be in a state of panic again. And again, by the way, you can't even say these things without, like you said, Shane, people saying, oh, you must think COVID's a hoax. Of course I don't. I just think I believe them. I take them at their word when they say things like never let a crisis go to waste. Right. Right. Why would they let a virus like this go to waste? Why? And when I say they, I don't mean. Just the dem. I don't think in terms of left. I just mean the elites, the powerful. Mm-hmm. It happens to be. It could be Bush. Put Bush in that. You know, put W in there. I don't care. I think he's part of the problem just as much as I think Biden is part of the problem. Um, but, uh, but it was. I think it was a Democrat who said that. But that quote. Never let a crisis go. The, the one that I.
0: The one that I yeah, know uh, that, that uh, it was uh, Mama Emanuel. Emanuel. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's Rahm Emanuel. Emanuel. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean,
0: so. I, yeah, I don't know exactly when that was, but, um, but yeah, I mean, because people were also kind of comparing COVID-19 with 9-11 and, you know, how Bush was like, you know, just, just stay normal. I everything's mean, going to be okay. But then the, all the fear mongering happens. Oh, if you, see, yeah. if you see something, say something. Or if you see someone who looks different from you, like they have brown skin, they might be a terrorist, you know, that whole thing. which was just like, oof, some crazy stuff happening. Well, now it's kind you know, of the, the entire thing. Patriot
2: Act, maybe. Patriot right. Act. Oh, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that we still have that. It's still yeah. around as far as I know.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I think they we're going to be we're going to be the same way the Patriot Act has just lingered. We're yeah. going to continue to have something like this for a while. I do believe they're going to relax things in a, in a couple months so that they can have a narrative that they want uh, at that Joe Biden getting elected helped fix covid. But I do think they're going to continue to use it works. They're going to use this again when they want to, there'll be, you know, lockdowns and all of this stuff because Mm -hmm. it's worked already. And I don't know, there'll be some, the same way that the Patriot Act lingered, we're going to be, we're going to have these uh, lingering uh, regulations and things from, well, they, they just passed. The CDC just said they're going to make it a federal offense to be on public transportation without a mask. I didn't realize the CDC gets to write our legislation for us, you know, like and how long, when does that, is that come with any uh, kind of expiration date or, you know, when did, when did the, expiration when did the date? <laughs> like,
2: there, what, who said, maybe Shane knows this, who said there's no such thing as a temporary government program?
0: I think it was like Milton Friedman says something like that. He was. It was it like sounds a, like a Milton Friedman. Yeah, it says it was so, well, something along the lines of like the 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 most permanent thing in government is a temporary solution or something like that. I'm, I know I'm probably. Oh that.
1: wow, that's a great. Quote. Something like that. Yeah. Listen to that. Wow.
0: Yeah,
2: but that I means you know we know this is we know that was going to be true after 9-11. and we said this yeah. early with the mask mandates that this is they're not you don't grant power and get it back. This is not that's not how government works. You grant power and it's forever lost. So. Yeah. Every every moment that we've granted, I mean, there are very few exceptions. There are a few exceptions in American history in which the, the United States government took some power during some crisis, like World War II or whatever, and then, and then laid down the sword afterwards mm-hmm. to some extent. But it's rare, almost always, that just it persists, right? So now that we have a, a, a hook in for health officials and health departments to be... Uh, to, to function as gating agents for our behavior that will be used whenever they want, whenever they, whenever they need something to happen, they will, Hey, what's, what's a health scare that we can use uh, yeah. to justify whatever the hell it is we want. You know, we want to transfer more value to Amazon. How can we shut down more mom and pop shops and force people to buy shit online? Okay. Well let's, let's, Hey, there's a pandemic. Hey, there's a new flu.
1: Public let's health. I was promised that we were going to talk about some fun topics <laughs> at the, at the end of this interview. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs>
0: no, no not, yeah, if no, you not, want to, we can, I'm or we can have
2: some more sake. If we're going to, I just going.
1: meant, by the way, not that this isn't fun for me. I just meant, I'm sure your audience is tired of me ranting and uh, I'm tired of me ranting. I mean, it's frustrating.
0: Well, oh, well, one last thing that that I'll that I'll mention before we get into it is that TikTok must be like, man, keep the COVID nineteen stuff happening because I love them nurses dancing on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
1: Have you seen Shane? Those uh, the meme where they are showing the uh, oh gosh, what's that previous pandemic that they're always talking about? The flu of nineteen. 19-
2: Oh, the nineteen—the plague or whatever it was. Yeah. The bubonic plague?
0: No, no but there. that
1: would be funnier if they did that. I think it was
0: 1913. The Spanish uh, flu?
1: I saw one with the 1913 flu, and mm. they had side-by-side images of this just ravaged, overrun hospital and people just languishing without enough medical staff to take care of them. And then it said, and now here's COVID 19. And it was just an image of nurses dancing, like in an empty hospital. <laughs> oh, ni-
2: 1918. Sorry, 1918, 1918 influenza
0: okay. pandemic. Yes, that's I the think. one. Yeah. So it's like, this is what happened 100 years ago. And they really yeah. took it seriously. And now here, 100 years later, and they're dancing on TikTok
1: in an empty hospital. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. know.
0: All right. I- so, yeah, I, like I did uh, say, I did promise. A couple of fun topics so we can kind of get away from all the doom and gloom of coronavirus or the, the China flu. We get the flu from China, whatever.
1: That's a good impression. I like it. You did a good job. You know, <laughs> I,
0: I try. I try sometimes. Um okay, so this first one is about uh the lottery and this guy from Idaho. An Idaho man collects $250,000 lottery jackpot, and he won- this is his sixth big win. So he's won six times for the lottery. So this guy is basically set. In- How many
2: people play the lottery in Idaho?
0: Wow. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's a good amount, I would think. I mean, maybe he's the only one. Who knows?
2: I'm, I I don't know. It's not a big state. I'm just curious.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I would like to know what happened to him with his previous wins, because the I've read about there uh, seems to be a problem when people win the lottery. On average, bad things happen to them, not because it's bad luck or anything, but because if you think about it, you have someone who's suddenly getting a lot of money who may not have had it before. And then either they have trouble managing it, this sudden change in wealth and they spend it on things they maybe shouldn't. Or they suddenly have friends and family and people around them that maybe want to take advantage of them. And like, oh, you
0: have two hundred fifty thousand dollars extra in your yeah. bank account. Yeah, hey, I need I some think they
2: Typically, lose it right away. Like they don't, they don't it's maintain their Good that
1: things them. usually. Yeah, but this guy maybe does well with it if he's won this many times. Well, if he
2: keeps winning,
0: yeah, maybe he'll be. Yeah, yeah um, in the article it says that uh, he, he's quoted as saying, that "I'm proud to help support Idaho public schools. That's really why I play." So, and he says that his latest wings will be set aside for his daughter's education. Wow. So there's that. Cool. You know, I was thinking about, uh, we were talking about some, uh, you know, whenever someone's lottery it doesn't end very well for them. I was thinking about that press your luck story where that guy, he kind of figured out the whole press your luck, whammy, no stop, the whole um, like pattern of how it went. And then he won a huge amount of money and then it kind of didn't go well for him after that. Uh, I don't know if you know about that story.
2: I'm not familiar
1: with I it. I don't know no. that one.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it, it, they made a documentary about it uh, several years ago. So I can't, I think it was like, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was like the press your luck uh, game show or uh, it's like, I think it's called whammy now or something like that. I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, I, big, have to, I have to watch yeah. this.
0: Yeah. It, it's pretty interesting how he kind of figured out the pattern of, cause you know, the whole, point of the game is, you know, don't hit a whammy or you'll lose. And he kind of figured out, okay, I can, I, if I go here, I hit this square, I'll get like 1, a thousand plus a new spin or something like that. So I just, I, that's kind of what it reminded me of when you were talking about people that didn't, didn't.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I think I most people are, are, most people are like when they're a little bit unhappy or when they're dissatisfied with their lives, they, they look to some event, they think, well, when X happens, then I'll be happy. And, um, and the truth is you won't be, you'll be, ha- you'll be happy for like five minutes until you, you know, maybe after your hangover the next morning, uh, you, you won't be happy anymore. Um, cause you're, you adjust, your body adjusts to the current state of things. Um, so you can throw, you know, you can get a billion dollars. It will change your life. Sure. Uh, but you're... Your kind of default level of happiness isn't going to change. It'll it might get disrupted for momentarily, but it's going to settle back to where it was. Which I think is why uh, I'm a I'm a big supporter of um, I'll, I'll I'll say psychology, but not not really. Like I don't I don't like a lot of psychology. But, I'll say self-improvement and introspection and like working on yourself and bettering yourself and really confronting your own demons because we all have demons. We all have things that bother us. And um, that's ultimately, you got to learn to be happy with what you've got now. Uh, And then if you win a billion dollars, you can continue to be happy and have a billion dollars.
0: Yeah, and don't tell anyone. Yeah. Never tell
2: anyone. If you win a billion billion, (laughs) dollars, keep that to yourself. I have
1: a... I was par- uh, confession. I was partially listening to you, Carter, but I was also looking up this story because you made me think of this. Shane, do you you you're probably a lot Excuse younger. Me, you're probably <laughs> a lot younger than us, so you may not remember this. Do you remember the the McDonald's menu million dollar record? They put records in all the newspapers, and it was the million dollar menu song, and all the kids memorized the song. This is in like 1989. Hmm. How old
0: are you? No, I was uh, 88. I was okay. born in 88. I'm not <laughs> I 88. I was born in 88. Excuse me. <laughs> okay, So you
1: were a baby. Yeah. So yeah. I, I figured you were too young. Okay. Yeah. but This was a big deal. I had one of these records and my brother and sister, we memorized the song and it was mm. so what we used to do. Anyway, um, we would do puppet shows with the song. And I don't, I, whatever. It was good mm. marketing. So some, some kid actually won one of the records like, like Charlie and chocolate factory. One of the records was a million dollar ticket. And this kid found that record and he was actually uh, going through a stack of newspapers looking to start a fire in his family's wood stove. They didn't have a lot, you know, and he found the winning record of a million dollars and much like people who win the lottery, it ruined his life. Like I'm, I'm laughing because it's a because hor- it's a great movie. It would make a great movie. Somebody yeah. should make a movie about this. But you can read about that guy if you look up the uh, look up the McDonald's million dollar record winner. Hmm. Anyway, sorry, that's a diversion. But I, I don't know. I'm very fat. I'm fascinated with stories like that because it's like, oh, you think this is going to be such a great thing, like Carter's saying, and your life's going to change and everything's going to be better, and then, yeah, like.
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, you know records and and uh, um, you know children playing the game or whatever this next the last story that i have to talk about that's a feel good story is that uh, a 12 year old boy breaks guinness record for star wars lego set uh so what that means is that he assembled the millennium falcon micro fighter kit in one minute 59.72 seconds setting a record for the fastest time to build the model wow
2: good for him yeah how cool I didn't know you could get. I didn't know there was Guinness records for. Is there like for every different Lego set? I mean, there's. I guess
0: probably a record for whatever you can think of. You know, how many spoons can you fit in your mouth, or something like that. You know, whatever you think of, (laughs) there's probably a record for it. Yeah, record. Um, I I I, I
1: love
2: the Lego the all the Star Wars Lego stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Was it? Can I see the picture again? Was it? It said a micro kit. Was it one of those little Lego kits? Cause how do you assemble something in a minute and does it have a picture of him with it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, It's one of the small ones. Yeah. That's, that's cool though. Probably
2: small hands help on a small one like that. Right.
1: (laughs)
0: If it was the, like a huge giant one and he did build it in a minute and 59 seconds, that'd be super impressed. Like, dang, man, that's pretty cool. He can be able to build that thing.
2: Well, Lego should give him a big one as a reward.
0: I mean, yeah, probably, they can give them a nice big award. You know, yeah, a nice yeah. big—the the award should be made of Legos. That's what yeah. they should give them. They should give yeah. them a Lego award, and then they give them a nice plaque. And but, they, but when they give you the plaque, they say, uh, "Kid, you got to assemble this plaque, so you're gonna have to make it right. yourself." So that's that's how it goes. You know, we're Legos, and you got to build stuff. But anyway, I, I you know, I just want to say uh, I really appreciate you two coming on the show. Um, you know, talking about know, yeah, for sure. Um, if you want to go ahead and plug uh, anything, uh, you can go ahead, Carter. Uh, you can go first.
2: Well, I'm going to plug the same thing. I think. Uh, I hope. <laughs> um, so I'll plug half of it, and Carrie can plug the other half. Uh, go to unsafeface.com and you can. Uh, you should sign up. We have a. You'll have a email sign up thing. the The purpose of the email sign up is not. We don't send newsletters. We don't spam. You don't actually use it at all. It's just so that when we finally get banned. We'll be able to tell you where we're going. Um, but yeah, go to unsafespace.com. Space, you can support us there. You can buy merch there. Um, and Carrie, you can tell them all about YouTube and its loveliness.
1: I would like to plug Copra Kai, which is, I'm oh just, oh my
2: kidding. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I have to deal with, Sean. Uh,
1: I would like Shame, to sorry. plug. sorry. Now I,
2: I even said his name wrong now. <laughs>
1: oh, <my> UnsafeSpace.com. <laughs> also, I'm not sure where you Oh, yeah, we have a YouTube channel. We You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. And uh, we have a book club, which is free to join and participate in. And we read nonfiction and fiction, and that's kind of fun. And yeah, we hope to uh, meet some of you guys. Um, I would love to have you on our show, Shane. That would be fun. And
0: yeah.
1: Uh, oh, and also, I'll tell you this offline. We can- you know what? Well, Shane,
2: you know that Shane and and Nico did a show, which is coming out this week, which we should tell people Wednesday at eleven a.m. Uh, will be premiering on our channel. Um, wait, what? No, I didn't, yeah, that. you weren't around. I, I interviewed, oh. <laughs> I, I
0: how interviewed dare you? Him, come so on, how dare you? I'm
2: glad that you invited him, but it's done. Uh, it's, hey, done. I mean,
0: it's we're, we're, we're happy to come back on for sure. You know, if you want know, to come, come back on, come on with Gary this time, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: holy crap! See, this we happen? don't, we're not good at internal communications, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> But we are good at arguing against social justice and yeah. saving Western civilization. So yeah, I
1: never go to the meetings. It's like, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the bad thing that I just uh, remembered, um, and I know it's supposed to be the end, but I know the Twitter account was suspended.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They it's haven't us-
0: No, I was gonna say, that was one of the things I was like, I'm going to ask them about that. And then it's just completely... Daunted out of my head until just now, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, they never told us why we were banned on January 11th. We lost our account on Twitter and uh, we have yet to hear anything from them at all about why they banned us. Mm. Um, Carter filled out the, they had a link to appeal and he's appealed and he's followed up on the appeal and we haven't heard. Anything. I appeal.
2: I do a separate appeal every week. I follow a separate appeal <laughs> and the only emails I've ever gotten back are we got your appeal.
1: Yeah
0: yeah they'll get to it eventually, yeah so sure. you know it's it. just like youtube
2: yeah. can I can I since we're on this topic, I just want to complain about this is how they this is how they do this it's not there's nothing honest about this interaction with these big tech companies because if Twitter were honest, in fact, my appeal by the way, only says it doesn't say I disagree with you, it just says, I just want to know what it was, please yeah. point to the thing, just tell me what it was, right so what they do is by ignoring you. Um, they never actually have to have any accountability. They just ignore, they say, well, we have an appeals process. Well, technically that may be true, but if the appeals process takes 10 years for you to respond, we've effectively banned you. Even if we decide you know, 10 years from now, oops, that was a mistake. And you know, YouTube has done the same thing to us. We have, they have a strike policy, like a community guidelines strike thing. You first get a warning, which by the way, never goes away. So once you've gotten one warning, you are forever susceptible to strikes. Hmm. So we have a warning, which we did not deserve, and I appealed, and they have never, ever responded to the appeal. So it is sitting in purgatory, so now we're in strike territory, and we had one strike against us, which got us banned for a week, which I also appealed because we didn't deserve that either. I don't want to go into it. It was a ridiculous point. That also, strikes expire after like 90 days. It's going to expire next week. They've never responded to the appeal. They just don't respond they just don't respond so they can lie all they want and say we have an appeals process and there's a we make sure and there's a way you can appeal no you can't you don't have an appeals process you have an appeals email or a button but there's no process the process is it goes in the circular file and they ignore you that's the process it's, it's like it's the, unconscionable
1: it's, would you say it's more like the movie brazil the dystopia in brazil <laughs> <is sort> of <laughs> yeah. bureaucracy and you know over reliance on uh, technology where well, they, they have, they don't feel any need to r- reply at all. There's no system. Nope. To, there's no transparency.
2: Zero. <laughs> Zero. And by the way, it, here's the thing I hate about these two companies the most. If YouTube, when it started and Twitter, when they started, if they told their audiences or their potential customers I won't say customers, users, yeah. their potential users, if they told them, Hey, we're going to ban people ideologically, and when you appeal, it's going to go into a memory hole, and we're never going to respond. They would never have achieved the success they have. They would never have re- achieved critical mass. They would not have the market position they have today. They are liars and charlatans, and they have they – have, it is a bait and switch that they have done to the American public and to the world. They have promised one thing, which was a fair and open platform with procedures, and as soon as they got market control, as soon as they were big, they flip-flopped. And now they don't give a crap about you. And they never would have their market position if they had done this. It is fraud. It is fraud. If It's like selling a product and then not shipping the product later. It's it's absolute fraud. And I can't believe that they get away with it. But they do. I, that wasn't and a happy now I would I would far.
1: like to plug <laughs> Cobra Kai again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm enjoying it so much. And we can end on a fun note. Yeah, <laughs> go.
2: that's good. Yeah. I'm also enjoying the expanse for science fiction fans. Okay. So so far, I'm enjoying that, and Mandalorian, like I said, is great. So there's some positive things in the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, and on a on a more positive note, other than Twitter the wires.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help the rant. I couldn't help the rant. Know,
0: it's it's totally fine. I mean, you know, it, it. I can only imagine how frustrating it is to not get any response. I mean, it even feels like. Okay, yeah, whatever. If they give you something, at least it's something, you know, but you know, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, and we
2: make money for YouTube. Yeah. They take 30%. We make money for YouTube. We're not. We're I mean, not, it's not a not lot, a but
1: the, the point no. is anybody who makes money for YouTube, they don't really actually care about the money you make for them. They don't care no. about money. They care primarily, I think, about um being gatekeepers to what information is, is is accessible to you know
2: help. what they care about i and i this is going to sound trite they care about getting invited to the right cocktail parties in silicon valley that's what they yeah. care about mm. susan cares about being cool in silicon valley that's what she cares about that's what jack dorsey cares about he cares about his social circle
1: yeah that's it
2: that's it it's
1: that's like a bunch of it's like a bunch of insecure middle schoolers it is exactly running there are people with running zero principles. these these yep. uh these giant platforms where most of the public square is now located. Yep, <laughs> that's what it is. Anyway, all right.
0: Thank you for Over coming. Oh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. But anyway, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and uh, for everyone watching and listening. We will see you in the next one. Bye.